0: Just going to read a passage, Psalm 73, because this, this sets the whole tenor of the message: "Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And just make a comment: I, I love the honesty of the psalmists. I've often found over the years as a Christian, there's a sort of a, you're meant to present a, a sort of a positive faith, and it's sort of seen as faith. You don't you don't mention your doubts or your fears and, and your troubles or your weaknesses. And and um, if you do, you know, other Christians will quickly try and counsel you. And, and it's sometimes very difficult. You don't want to share because you don't want people to jump on you. Um, but the psalmists are just so honest. And, and when you read this guy, it's just... Yeah, you can identify with him, um, even though you dare not tell other Christians that you feel this way. <laughs> I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued, I have been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. I, was, uh, I went out to a visit a farmer and his wife uh, one time up north where I was, had been asked to take the funeral of, of uh, the wife's, um, her mother, and uh, her mother was a very keen Christian, but the farmer and the wife, they were very good people. Um, but they went to church, uh, a church there, but I, I knew that the church they, they were going to was one which was very nominal. And I didn't know where these people were at in their faith and belief. And we got into a conversation, um, often you do at a time like that. And, uh, and at some stage, the, the wife said to me, she said, I, I think most people will go to heaven And and I said, well, what about the verse that says, Enter through the narrow gate, for for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And there was a pause after I said that. And then the farmer, the, the husband, said, We do not have what you have. And and as he said that, there was something very strong, I don't know how to describe it, but it was a feeling of eternity came into the room. And there was just this awareness that outwardly there are good people, there are nice people, but the issues of eternity are serious and often completely outside our thinking, outside of our awareness. And um, I I can't remember all the rest of the conversation, but, but... I do remember very strongly that feeling. So we have this picture in in Matthew where it talks about the the narrow gate and 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 the small gate it's also called, and, and then there's the wide gate, and we have two paths. And so you have this picture of two gates leading to two very different paths. And the interesting thing about Psalm 73 is it actually really picks up that picture. And so we read in in verses 1 to 3, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And so we have a picture of someone who's walking a pathway. He's he's almost slipped. Now, you don't slip on a wide path. You slip on a narrow path. And I, I remember a... I had a guy in Queensland one time say, look, why don't you come for a walk with me around the front of the Remarkables? Now, it's about 2,000 metres up, and I'd never been there. You ski on the back side of the Remarkables, but the front side of the Remarkables is virtually a sheer cliff. And uh, we went up there and climbed our, our, up to the beginning of the path, and I didn't realise, but the path is about, at places is only about a metre wide, um, and a sheer cliff above and sheer cliff below... And sometimes there's big boulders and and the snow behind it and you don't know where to go in front because the path is very narrow. But the other thing about the path is it's sort of at a slope and it's a scree. So when you put your foot into it, it slides away and your foot can end up about one foot to two feet away from this precipice. And it's quite a uncomfortable feeling, to say the least. And, and, And I have a picture that this guy is on a path that is more like that, something very narrow, something precipice something that is not that he's easily slipping on and and he's he's almost slipped he's almost lost his foothold well one thing when you're on a path like that is you need to keep your eye on the path and he is not he's got his eye on another road where people are walking he's got his eye on people who've strayed onto the wide road and so he's almost slipped And it's really interesting to see the kind of people he's looking at. And let's read that again. Verse 4, it says, They have no struggles, the wicked. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. And it's really interesting when you think, it. and the description of these people here, is they're actually not the average person on the wide road. They're the sort of the... They're the success stories, the people who stand out from the crowd. Uh, you know, sort of rock stars or, or, um, film stars. Sort of, if I might say, someone like a Donald Trump. That kind of a person. People who are really magnetic and powerful and strong and, 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 and people follow them. And people, you could, it actually says here, the people with wealth, health and prosperity. And we've heard those terms used before, but these people are all on the wide path. Self-made people, they attracted followers, full of self-confidence and conceit. And this person envied them, this person who was on the narrow path, this person who was following God, or meant to be, was envying the people on the wide path. Now most Christians would not admit to that, but there are times when you may envy those who are on the wide path. Why did he? Because they had something he didn't have. It'd be nice to have a bit more money. To travel. To be a top athlete. To be a celebrity, a centre of attention. Maybe just to be free of sickness or pressure or heartache or pain or grief. It'd be great to actually be healthy, wealthy and prosperous. But instead he was struggling... He was going through a very hard time. Things were tough, and they didn't make sense. And, and what seemed strange was he was the one who was following God and, 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 and trying to pursue God and keep his life pure, and he was suffering, which seemed to be his reward for following God, was to have more pressure and heartache. And it sort of didn't make sense to him. And so he says, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I'd said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. He, he found it difficult to grasp. Why, why is it so hard? Why is it so tough? This, this Christian life. And, and those who are on the wide road, they, they don't, they're living loosely. They have no restraints. They, they're free. They, they have fun. You know, I, it's a bit of a painful thing, but I was, I was in a church where there was a, um, a guy who'd been saved out of the, the drug scene, and, and he'd been very, uh, you know, quite a major transformation in his life. But then after a number of years, he ran into a very, some very difficult times, and, and he basically threw his Christian faith away, walked out the door. And, and I met up with him one time, and I was talking with him, and, and just asked him how he was, and he says, well, he says, it's, it's great. I don't live with pressure anymore. The pressure's gone from my life. <laughs> and and um, it didn't, unfortunately. Um, some pretty, pretty bad things happened to him later on, but the pressure, the pressure he was under as a Christian was, was gone when he turned away. And um, there is a pressure, there is a struggle on this narrow road. And, and say, yeah, but he's saying this doesn't seem fair. I'm struggling. They're not. It doesn't add up. It doesn't seem fair. What, what's the use of denying myself? And as he focused on what they had and what he didn't have, a real dark cloud came in and I know I've, I've done that at times. I've looked at people, not necessarily the kind of people it describes here, but just, you know, people who are good people, the kind of people who do stand out. They're leaders. People look up to them. They, they've got their life all sweet and, and they're wealthy and got, you know, doing things well. And I remember years ago looking at someone like that and just thinking, yeah, they're, they're just a self-made person. And, you know, they, they kind of, they've got it all together and I'm struggling and, and they, they don't believe in God and all that kind of thing. But their life seems so together, and I'm struggling. And You know, you, you kind of sometimes look at people like that and think, hmm, it doesn't quite seem right. And as he did that, a dark cloud came in, and a self-pity and disillusionment. And as he said, it was oppressive. It weighed him down. But then he made a very wise decision. Instead of giving up in despair... He found a place where he could focus on God with no distractions. I entered the sanctuary of God. And there he got a right perspective. Because there it says, I understood their final destiny. And it's quite a serious thing, really. Because you see, there are two very distinct paths. There's the the wide path and there's the narrow path. But each path has a completely different end. The wide path leads to destruction. The narrow path leads to life. You can't walk both. It's impossible. You're either on one path or the other. You have to choose. The, the wide path is easy to follow. It. It's kind of like... It's like being in a river just going downstream. It just you don't there's no effort to walk on the wide path. I mean it is wide and it's it's familiar, it just seems very natural and, and you have a lot of people on the road with you. Lots of company. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. When you when you join the narrow path you suddenly find you're a little bit more alone than you were before nothing like it you know you talk to people and they find out you're a Christian and sometimes they they're not always rude but you just sense they withdraw They just pull back Reuben says when you're a pastor it's even worse you know I remember one time talking with a with a couple of people and 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 it was just at some kind of a I don't know what this weather situation was nothing to do with the church but I was talking with this couple and they were we had a really good conversation going we're talking very freely and then a guy said to me oh you know are you a teacher Uh, because for some reason he thought I was a teacher, and I said, no, I'm a pastor. And you could just see his face, just bang, end of conversation. No more interest. Didn't want to know me. And uh, there's a loneliness on the narrow path. There's not a lot of company there. To join the narrow path requires you leaving the familiar, the comfortable And walking on a path of affliction and trouble. You know that word narrow? It's really interesting because it's only translated narrow here in the New Testament. Is the only place it's translated narrow. Every other place it's translated in the New Testament, it's it's the word affliction, trouble. In fact, it's the word in the noun form is the word tribulation, which we're familiar with in the last days. And, and it talks about how, how Christ was afflicted by the crowds they 're pressed on him, the pressure of them it 's the same Greek word. so I always used to think of narrow as sort of boring and tight and restrained. you know you couldn 't have fun on the narrow path because you know there was this tight sort of moral boundaries and, and I had that picture of narrow and didn 't realize this is the only place it 's used to translate this way instead it's really it's a pathway of trouble it's a pathway of affliction it's a pathway of pressure understand that when you join the narrow path when you become a christian that's what you're buying into great isn't it wonderful good news <laughs> and it can be lonely definitely unpopular and interestingly here, when he came and focused on God in the sanctuary, the comfort that God gave him was not to say, no, you ought to be having health, wealth, and prosperity. You ought to be comfortable. It's just your mindset is wrong. If you change your mind, everything will be sweet and happy. God didn't say that to him. He, he gave him some completely uh, different uh, advice. He basically said, look away From the things that are temporary to the things that are eternal. Don't just focus on the different conditions on the two roads, on the two paths, but look at the huge difference to the ends of the two paths. Verse 18 Surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. As this eternal perspective grips him, he sees clearly the wide path ends in destruction. Those walking on it are far from God in time. As it says in verse 21, they are far from God. If you walk far from God in time, you will be far from God in eternity. And it's a terrible end. It's an awful destiny. I remember just a few days after I'd been speaking to that farmer and his wife, I was reading through Proverbs, and I suddenly hit this verse. And it just kind of really hit me hard because it, it talks about those who are, you know, rescuing those who are staggering towards slaughter. <laughs> it's a very graphic description, and, and you kind of uh, kind of think, wow, you know, it's this sort of scene my parents saw when they were in China when they saw a group of four men being led off to be shot, some criminals, kind of scene we never see here. But in private, it's, it's kind of a picture for us. We, we don't see people staggering towards slaughter. It's not, it's not a picture that lies comfortable in 21st century kind of modern thinking. But the Bible pulls back the veil and shows us there is an eternity. And there are two paths with two very different ends. And one of them is very awful. And if you're on the wide path, your inevitable destination is destruction. And those who are at the center of attention today and, and, you know, kind of may be attractive to you because they seem to be so free and happy and wealthy and and all that kind of thing, and they've got it all together. One day they'll disappear from the stage of life, like a dream, like a fantasy. As this eternal reality kind of really dawns on him, he suddenly realizes how stupid he'd been. To reach a different destination, you have to follow a different path. If we expect our lives to be like those on the wide path, we will be resentful and disillusioned. As he says, uh, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. I thought like an animal. Just unreasoning, foolish, stupid. It makes sense to realize if you're going to walk a different path, you're going to end up in a different destination. Very sensible. Very sensible. We must accept the reality that walking the narrow road involves pressure, difficulty, going without many of the things that those on the wide path experience. But the end of the path is so, so different. It ends in glory. Very different from destruction. And we need to, I, I don't know what it is about our life, our materialistic life, but it just sucks in our attention It draws us in and, and we lose sight of what's important. I, I was so grateful for a, for a verse that God spoke to me about three or four months before I was, before I was saved. Um, it was a time I was reading the scriptures and it said, Do not look at the things that are seen but look at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And this world can seem so real and, and can grab and grip our attention, but it is actually transitory. God is eternal. And, and, and the things of eternity should be the things that grip our hearts and grip our attention in verse 23 to 28 he says yet i'm always with you you hold me by my right hand you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory whom have i in heaven but you and earth has nothing i desire beside you my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever those who are far from you will perish you destroy all who are unfaithful to you But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. You notice there's something else unique about the narrow road. Something that makes all the difference. Yes, there is affliction. Yes, there is pressure. There's no question my life became a lot more pressured after I became a Christian than it was before. No doubt about it. But... There's something else about the narrow path that is so unique and so special that is not found on the wide road. What is it? What is brought out here? The intimate presence of God. I would hate to be without God. On the wide road, that's what you have. No presence of God. He constantly walks with you on the narrow road. By your side all the way. It says holding your right hand. That's, that's, that's a close relation. How many people do you hold hands with? Not, not many. <laughs> your, your, your wife or husband and um, your mother or father maybe when you're young and, and then your children and then the joy of your grandchildren. But there's not too many people you hold hands with, only those you're very close to. Well, God, your Father, holds you with his right hand. And the path may be unfamiliar to you, but it's not to him. He's your guide all the way. And you know, it's, there's something about being with someone else. You're not on your own and they've got confidence. You don't know the path, but they do. I I, I was one time, I went up to Coronet Peak and I I just started to learn to ski. And I skied on what's the green slopes, the beginner slopes. And you know, they're very easy. You, You have little well in those days they didn't but you have little uh, rope toes and things like that and very very nice gradient and one time there was a ski instructor in our church and he said oh come up on the mountain and I'll take you you know give you some training and guidance and help you develop and I thought great you know and and we got on the pommer um, which was on the green slope and we went up the pommer and I thought right you know we'll get up the top we get off it and he'll guide me around and we get up to the top he goes to the end he says come down here Now, come down here was a steep slope that went straight onto an intermediate slope, which was far steeper, and I just went, you know. But he went ahead, and I just had to follow him. And and I don't know what it was, but I gained my confidence and my strength from him. He was there, and he said, I'll look after you, and I'll guide you. And, And in a way, I could do it because he was leading me. I couldn't do it on my own. Good picture, eh? And it's because we've got our Father with us on the pathway. The pathway is unfamiliar and uncomfortable, but he's with us and never leaves us. And we gain our confidence because he is there, not out of our own resources. When you reach the end of your life, God will not be waiting at the door of heaven to greet you. No, much better than that. He's going to personally escort you through the door because he's with you all the way and he's just going to lead you through into glory. You know, as we grow older, we're conscious of losing our strength and, and the vigor of our, our youth. But inwardly, it says we go from strength to strength. And I've often thought about that because sometimes you actually become aware, uh, the older you are, of how, how sinful you are, how weak you are. When I first became a Christian, my life was just so transformed. I mean, almost felt like I'd arrived. I I mean, I stopped having arguments with my parents completely and and everything just changed. And I I seemed to, you know, I I overcame so many outward sins in my life. It just, I seemed to be walking in victory and it was fantastic. And then as I went on as a Christian, I found things changed a bit. But what I also discovered was God was after much deeper things. Smoking and drinking wasn't a big issue to him. Nothing like as much as pride and arrogance and fear, the deep stuff in the heart. And the trouble is those things take a lifetime. In fact, they're only finally completed when you go into heaven, You know, when you, find, when you go into glory, when he finally transforms. But there's a lifetime of changing the deep inward things in the heart. And as you grow older, you become aware of that stuff more and more, and you become aware that you're not quite as great a Christian as you thought you were. And And yet the Bible says we go from strength to strength. It's almost a paradox. But in actual fact, the thing is, you see, we are never strong in ourselves. The weaker you know you are, the more you lean on him. And you go from strength to strength because you gain his strength. You're leaning on him, so he is your strength rather than you are your own strength. We rely not on ourselves, but we lean on him. Someone once used the picture of someone going to heaven. When we look back, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but it's like, a: have you ever had lambs and you pull them along and they put their feet in like this and they just dig into the ground and they, they won't let you, you know, they, you just have to pull them. And they, they, they'll actually, if you have sand or something, they make ruts in the ground as, as you pull them. Well, someone said, when we get to heaven, we're gonna we're gonna look back and we'll see two ruts all the way to heaven. <laughs> as we're semi resisting God the whole way. Um, God is faithful, God will lead us there, God will bring us there despite us. As long as we keep trusting and, and following Him and never turn away from Him. He is our strength. And he is our portion forever. He is our portion. What he said to Abraham was just, I think, just the most special thing. When He, he said, Abraham, leave behind your family and your country and all that. And he didn't say, and I will take you into a, a better country and get, that will be your reward and all that kind of thing. No, he said, I'm going to do all that. But he says, I will be your exceeding great reward. The reward we finally get is God himself and just recently I saw this neat little thing on TV it was a a husband who was uh, and wife who were celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary and he said paradise is not where you are but who you are with and I thought what a beautiful that that sums it up so beautifully well let's just pray Dear Father, you know what people here are facing. You know some are just facing the temptation of of the wide path. And they see people who've got it sussed and have it all together, and and they themselves feel so such failures or weak and, and missing out. Others are facing the afflictions and the struggles and the oppression and the heartache. But Lord, I just pray that you will open the eyes of us all to eternity, to the eternal destiny we face, that we might walk the road, the pathway in life, but our destination ends in eternity, and one is great and one is terrible. I pray that everyone here will choose to enter through the narrow gate, which is Christ, and walk the narrow path and experience the joy of the constant companionship of our Father in heaven and know that despite our weakness and our failures he is leading us to a glory that is worth every ounce of everything we ever face and ever suffer in Jesus name Amen God bless you